This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great crowd today. Nice to have so many of you here. You know, it was a great week last week out in, out in Michigan. Dave did a wonderful job, and it was, it was so appreciate him doing that. And, and the, the hockey team, just so all of you know, a couple of you have asked, they made it into the Elite Eight. They were down five to nothing going into the third period. And I was thinking like, oh, this could get chippy. And when, when, when games sort of get chippy, everybody looks to the pastor as if some divine intervention, I'm supposed to stop boys from being boys. And, uh, and they ended up scoring four goals in the fourth period, lost five to four. So it was a very fun game, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to see these young men grow. And just, you know, they ended up top eight in Division Three, which is wonderful stuff. So very proud of them. Let's give them a round of applause. It was, it was very fun. So today we're actually getting on to part two of our Easter series. Now this is the series overview. We're looking at face-to-face. Last week was face-to-face with betrayal. I'm going to have you say the H word on the second sentence there. This week we're looking face-to-face with healing. healing. And last but not least, next week we look face-to-face, see if you can get this polyslabic one, face-to-face with resurrection. So we're going to be pulling the whole Easter story together here. And I really want to talk this Palm Sunday about, about healing. Because Palm Sunday was this great celebration where Christ comes into Jerusalem. If you're not familiar with the story, we're going to go over, uh, you know, some of the contextual parts. And, and as he comes into the city, he's greeted with, with, with these cries, these great cries. And what I want to talk about isn't so much about that procession. It's about the message. It's a message of healing. And we're actually going to use another story from Easter to talk about what that healing actually came to look like. So what I want to start with is this simple yet sort of challenging statement. Easter places us into crisis. Or as Anne Lamott said, we are an Easter people living in a Good Friday world. So we tend to think of Easter, you know, if I say Easter, I want to, I'm just going to play word association. If I say Easter, the first thing that pops into your mind is Easter is, somebody better say chocolate. Chocolate, bunnies, eggs, flowers, all this, all this stuff. And it is, it is all those things. And all those things are wonderful. But Easter, I think, if we start to really get into the story, versus just celebrating the holiday. It can place us into a bit of a crisis, and it's actually a beautiful crisis because it's a crisis that enables new seeds to be planted in our lives for new things to grow. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little Jeopardy action here. We're actually going to have a little a little quiz for you folks. I'm going to give you three questions. The person who gets it right gets to see Angela about a free donut at the end of church. So James is going to come out here and give me a hand. Give James a round of applause here, folks. James, you see him right here. And you got to look up at here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you three seeds. And I'm going to have you, you know, try to guess what they are. All right? So this is the first seed. All right? You have to let James go first. James, what is it? Pomegranate seed. Excellent. Give James a round of applause. Excellent. James, one for one. All right, seed number two. Corn seed. Excellent. Excellent, James. All right, now you ready for number three? All right, go ahead. 
Coconut seed? No. Sorry, James. Give James a round of applause. That was a good try. You're going off. Anybody know what that is? No, it's a rubber tree plant. Yes. Because I wanted, I wanted to give you one that there's no way you would get. There's no way. Because we go through Easter, we go through church, we think like, oh yeah, I'll do this, and I'll feel this way, and I'll do this. And, I'll... and then I think what Christ is constantly doing is going to go, yep, that's right, yep, that's right. Surprise! Didn't see that one coming. Where he flips it around, and we end up in this beautiful crisis because he totally changes the script, the way the script is actually supposed to read. So what I want to do is I want to read you the full story, and then I want to talk about some of the lines in it. Now, the context of this is, is, this is this is Easter week. What we celebrate is Easter week. And this would have been Thursday night of Easter week. And, and, and he had these 12 people who were following him. If you're not familiar with the Christian story, those are called the 12 disciples. They're following him, and they go into this woods, Garden of Gethsemane. And it really was a woods. They go into this woods. They're kind of hanging out around a campfire. Christ has predicted, look, guys, the end's coming. The end's coming, and it's going to be hard. And I need you to stick with it. I want to say that again. It's going to be hard, and I need you to stick with it. Knowing that they probably won't, but he has to say that. He says it over and over again, many ways through the Bible. So he, he tells, he starts, he tells them some stories, and then all of a sudden, in this darkness, they can hear soldiers marching towards Again, you soldiers, they would have had armor on. You would have heard like swords clanking. You would have heard noise. You would have seen, seen torches. I, you can imagine that would be a little bit scary, a little bit frightening. And this is what happens. This is where we pick up the story. So they come up. Judas betrays him so they know who Christ is. And that's where we are today. Then the men step forward. In other words, these soldiers. The soldiers step forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions, Peter, one of the disciples, reached for his sword, drew it out, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? A legion was 100, so it's 1,200 angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it has to happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion? You know, and these were to the soldiers. Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts preaching, and you didn't arrest me there. But this has all to take place so that the writings of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And that's where the whole, the whole story of Easter really starts there in that place. Now, I want to talk about a couple of lines from that I think that are significant. One is the reach for a sword. If we could go back to the reach for a sword. He reached for a sword, drew it out, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now, that's, that's you know, again, easy to just breeze on past this. Now, I'm going to step over here to, to talk about that, over to this carpet. So Peter is, is sort of, he's, he's one of the fun disciples to look at because he's sort of the, 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 the frat bro of the group. He's the guy who like, you are my best friend. I am going to die for you. You are number one. You are the best. And then runs away. You, you know that friend who like, they're, they're so enthusiastic. You're like, I don't believe it. We all have that friend, right? 
And they're great. They're wonderful. St. Patrick's Day, they're particularly a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, you, you just know it's like a mile wide and an inch deep. And again, Christ doesn't punish him for it. He just goes, yeah, that, that's who Peter is. He's like Mr. Enthusiasm. And so Mr. Enthusiasm pulls out a sword. Now, now, I remember growing up, and I used to think about this part of the story, struck the servant of the high priest cutting off his ear. I sort of saw it as like, like, like Peter there with this delicate surgical stroke where he gently lops off part of the guy's ear. But that's not what the story is. Peter grabs a sword, and he is swinging for the fences. Like, he really, he's ready to take, literally take this guy's head off. The guy, like, ah, you know, and strikes him on the side of the head. So this would have been quite a wound. And you can see with Peter that he only gave himself one of two options. I'm going to have you complete the sentence here. He only gave himself one of two options. Fight or flight. That's it. Can we say that together? Fight or flight. The only two options. Fear. Listen carefully. Fear will only give you those two options. Your fear, no matter how fear feared up you are coming in here today, your fear will only give you two options. And the two options are, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you all to say it. The two options are, that's it. A or B. Our ego is that way. Our fear is that way. In a certain sense, if those are your options, what he did was completely logical. Now remember, he would have seen all the miracles that Christ did. He would have seen Christ raise somebody from the dead. He would have seen Christ heal all kinds of people. Christ has now has the reputation of the most powerful man in the land. So it, it makes sense that he swung the sword. Because he would have felt like, well, Christ can make it all okay. Like, I'm with the most powerful bad dude going. And he had totally missed the point. Just like us, where we totally missed the point. I'm going to step back over here for the next slide. This is what he says. He says, put your sword back in its place. All who live by the sword will die by the, will die by the sword, will die by the sword. If you live by it, you die by it. Now, now we have to see again the context of that, folks. So Peter's got the sword, he whacks this guy. Now, now it's not that the, I mean, just think, these are Roman legionnaires. These are hardened war veterans. They're not going to look at Peter taking a swing at one of their men. They're not going to look at Peter taking a swing and just go, what do we do now? What, what would they be ready to do? Draw their own swords. I mean, just, just literally, like, think of that. Okay, so, so here's all this fear and these, these soldiers marching up to this group. All of a sudden, this really rash guy reaches out, grabs a sword, hits somebody. Just imagine the sound of several hundred swords being drawn all at the same time. A little scary, right? So this line is not just to Peter. This line is to all of them. And to all of us, you see him saying to Peter, look, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And I see him doing it going like, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. There has to be some kind of alternative. There has to be a different way of doing it. 
It's interesting, New Church theology, we regard, you know, the Bible is filled with these poetic images and, and a sword, a sword is, is, is our truth. It's, it's what we can speak out there into the world. And just like if we can speak truth and that can be a certain kind of sword, we can also speak falsity and that'll be another kind of sword. And this is that other kind of sword, this falsity, this, this where we pull it out and we, we use a sword in the wrong way. We're not going from truth, but we're going from falsity, even though it may appear completely justified. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the not so good sword. These are kind of three pieces I'd ask you to think about. And it's interesting, like, like doing this sermon, I, I think you see world affairs today, you can see lots of parts of this about the not so great sword. The first one is tribalism. I'm going to have you say the old word there. It's the idea that God is owned. So one group has God. So Peter clearly felt he had God and he had Christ as his backing him up on that. He had God. These other soldiers, they would have had their own God. It was Caesar and all that's law and order, all that stuff. We each have our own God, and that's what tribalism is. We each believe that we have the one answer, period. And that feeds in. That's not such a great sword to have. If you believe that the sword you need to carry is the sword that you are always right and everyone else is always wrong, that's dangerous. Now, of course, you might be right. They might be wrong. There may be well be occasions where you need to say that, act into it, live into it, take a stand, brandish a sword. But it can't come from that perspective of you up here and them down here. That's where it starts to get dangerous. The second one, violence as a preferred expression of religious commitment. Is that a good phrase or what? I stole that one. That was really good. I think that's so true, right? We're, we're violence. We can see violence and we can see it as a preferred expression of religious commitment. Like, this is actually what we prefer above all things is how angry can you get? How righteous can you get? How upset can you get? And the more upset and righteous and angry you are, that means that you're more and more right. How well does that work in your relationships, folks? You know, it doesn't work at all. And it can actually come out in forms of, of viol- real physical violence as well. Not just, not just spoken violence, but real physical violence. And the last one, vengeance-filled outrage excused by injustice. It's so easy. Like, the world is filled with injustices. It's filled with it. All the time. You can see it all over. We could just open up the newspaper and look, it's filled with it. The challenge is, is when we use vengeance-filled outrage to think that it'll cure it. Very similar to what Peter did with the sword here. Obviously, Christ was not in the wrong. I mean, Christ is executed essentially because he really was loving a lot of people. He just happened to love the wrong kind of people. And we can buy into that so quickly that, that you know, if, if I just, the more outrage I build up, that somehow it'll solve this thing. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be really tender here. You know, sometimes I look at, like, what's going on in our country, and I feel like, ah, we got to be really careful there. How outraged somebody is to, to, to uh, excuse me, what senses of injustice we want to go up against, the idea of vengeance-filled outrage being, being the answer, I, I just don't see it. 
I mean, it might be wrong. I, I just, I don't see it. And I think this story is talking about that. Now, as the band comes out, I want you to understand that what Christ is saying is he's giving a certain no here. But we always know that after Christ gives a no, he also gives a great big, a great big yes. A new way of looking at it, a new way to ring those bells, a new way to, to, to sound out something very differently. So he says, stop. And then he, need, then he rings a new bell. And it's a new bell that's around healing. A very powerful, potent, beautiful form of healing. Isn't that powerful? And it's, it's like, it's no, it's no small thing, right? It's no small thing that there is a different bell that we can ring. That there's a different choice that we can make. And then that's where I feel like this story places us actually into a beautiful crisis. You know, yeah, there's the crisis of the soldiers, but there's also this, this crisis of, of Peter's action and, and what's Christ going to do now? You know, and, and, and how does this story unfold and what does this story have to tell us? So I want to flip to add another part of the story. And this part is from the Gospel of Luke. If you're not aware, there's four Gospels, each telling slightly different views on the life of Christ. And here's it from Luke. Jesus answered, no more of this. And I, I don't see him going like, guys, knock it off. I see him saying, stop, stop. In a voice that would have instantly brought attention of everyone's attention to the moment. Stop. Stop this. A sacred no. A forceful no. A sword, but a very different kind of sword. And then he says, and he touched the man's ear and healed him. He touched the man's ear and healed him. I want to talk about this line. And again, like, it, this is, this is one of those lines of scripture. It's like, I do the shepherds every Christmas Eve. And this one I feel so like drawn to this beautiful line. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come off stage here and I need, I need somebody who's just very, very brave and might be having a little bit of a hard time today. Who's going to join me up front up here. All right. For just a quick moment, I'm going to put my hand on your ear just so you know. So if you're like, have an ear thing where nobody can ever touch your ears, don't volunteer. All right, but if you're fine with somebody touching your ears, good, because that's what I'm going to do. So if we could have just one volunteer, and I can't really see you, so just the first one up wins. Uh, you know, please just come on up and join me up here on the platform. So, so you think of the, you think of the beauty of this, right? So, so Peter, Peter would have had, you know, he would have been right-handed, right? He would have taken this huge swing. It would have been this massive wound. And you think about what Christ does here. It's, it's easy to think of Christ going like, heal the air, you know, sort of like Shazam. That's not what he does. What he does, he does this. Thank you. Yeah. And you can just, you can just hear it. Like as soon as I did it, she hummed. You know, yeah. it's it, good. It feels good. Mm -hmm. It feels so good. It's it's so like precious. And, and you picture Christ like here's all these soldiers like ready to go. Their their swords are drawn, right? And this should give you chills. Like like the, the wars of the, the drumbeat of war is just going on. And here Christ just does this. Yeah, just does this and just holds, just looks, and just heals. Give a round of applause for being so brave.
Guys, a bunch of you are going to be, going to be driving back and you go like, honey, do it to me, do it to me. It really does. Like, have somebody do it to you. It's very profound. You know, it's a very profound moment when that takes place. Because you see, there's something new and different happening here. Next slide. What we have to ask ourselves here is, can we accept on our horizon, can I have you say the P word there, a new healing, new surging, new can we accept that? And that's a beautiful thing to think about here, folks, that this is actually a, a brand new form of healing that Christ is talking about. And you can see, do you see how that's a new seed? Do you see how that kind of places things into crisis in a certain way? Because what it does, it sets up a different choice. I'm going to step back over here and we're going to put the choice back up. Here we have Peter, which, which most of us can identify with, right? Of a fight or flight perspective. And Christ is going, okay, that is a perspective. But you always have the choice to heal. Can we be a healing presence? Folks, there's nothing easy about being a healing presence. Do you get that? Please say yes. Yes. It's really hard to be, fight or flight, give me that any day. That's easy. My fears have been practicing that for 51 years. And they're good at it. And here I feel Christ is constantly asking me and constantly asking us to, to nope, I, I need you to think differently. I need you to think in a third way. A third way that's all about healing. A very different way of seeing the world. A very different way of acting into the world. Uh, you know, a revolution of sorts. And I feel like, again, that, that, that we, we get to do that. We get to do the fight or flight so we can see the contrast. Like, like God doesn't, nothing's accidental for God. It's not that if, you t if you're prone to the fight or flight that that necessarily means you're bad or wrong. It just means that's where you are. And here's this constant reminder from Christ that we can actually do things a little bit differently. What I believe for most of us, or I should say for myself, and I, I would imagine the same is true for you, most of the time I don't get it. Like if I'm sitting where you're sitting, I'm hearing those words of healing and I'm thinking, oh, that sounds really great. And then it'll be gone in about 15 minutes when somebody takes my parking spot at Starbucks. You know, forget healing right there. We forget all the time. We choose to actually not heal all the time. I mean, just look at this line from Matthew. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. So Christ heals the guy's ear and everybody runs away. Do you have any Mighty Python fans here? <laughs> Those of you who laughed need to tell the people who don't get what my reference was and, and tell them to watch the movie. Run away, run away. You know, they, they see a miracle of healing, and it's like, dude, that's not fight or flight. We're out of here. They had Peter exercised fight, didn't work, so his only option was flight. So he did it. Makes perfect sense, A or B. If A is not an option, B is. Missed the point again, and that's okay. That's why we're here, to learn the ways of love. We're here to learn this stuff. And help each other along the way. You know, folks, a number of us have, you know, I'm sure we go through this all the time. Like, I had one, um, 
One a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I, my wife and I had, had, not that any of your marriages had this, but my wife and I had one of those days, you know, where it was, it was like, just wasn't clicking. And so I'm down at Wawa getting coffee, and, and my wife is very big into health food except for potato chips. So I see a display there of potato chips, you know, and I'm looking at these potato chips, and I'm thinking, does my wife deserve for me to buy her potato chips? <laughs> Raise your hand if you would do the same thing. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I don't, she, she has not been nice today. No chips for you. <laughs> really? And I'm a pastor. <laughs> so I bought the damn chips and I gave them to her. So, <laughs> so you know, and, and, what, and what, happened, what happened is I get this nice little text. Thank you, honey. That was so sweet. So sweet. The ear. It was her touching my ear. You know, that little bit of healing that took place on a rough day. But see, we don't often choose that. We, we struggle with that. That kind of thing is really hard to do. But we can get it. We can make choices to heal. I want to show you a very, very, very moving, uh, very moving video here. And it's a video of, of a man who lost his wife, a, a bas- NBA basketball coach, Monty Williams, who, who lost his wife in a head-on accident. And he offers a eulogy. Now, the eulogy is very powerful. It's very long. He has moments where he loses his composure. And then he kind of finds his voice. He kind of finds this third way of healing. And he zones in on it. And he offers three just beautiful moments. Now, I want you to listen to this and listen to the words of healing. As you hear this eulogy from Monty Williams talking about the loss of his wife, as well as the loss the other family experienced on the death of their loved one, who was the one who hit her. Take a look. And my wife would punch me if I were to sit up here and whine about what's going on. That doesn't take away the pain. But it will work out because God causes all things to work out. You just can't quit. You can't give in. See, the Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And America teaches us to just numb that, and it's not true, but it is true. All you got to do is look around you. Get outside of these walls, and you know it's true. This will work out. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not painful. Doesn't mean we don't have tough times and we're going to have tough times. What we need is the Lord. And that's what my wife tried to exhibit every single day. Now, I'm going to close with this, and I think it's the most important thing that we need to understand. Everybody's praying for me and my family, which is right. But let us not forget that there were two people in this situation. And that family needs prayer as well. And we have no ill will towards that family. In my house, we have a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we don't have a heart of forgiveness. That family didn't wake up wanting to hurt my wife. Life is hard. It is very hard. And that was tough. But we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family. And we, as a group, brothers united in unity, should be praying for that family.
because they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's important. God will work this out. My wife is in heaven. God loves us. God is love. And when we walk away from this place today, let's celebrate because my wife is where we all need to be. And I'm envious of that. But I got five crumb snatchers I got to deal with. <laughs> I love you guys for taking time out of your day to celebrate my wife. We didn't lose her. When you lose something, you can't find it. I know exactly where my wife is. I'll miss holding her hand. I'll miss talking with my wife. Um, Sam and Coach Donovan probably couldn't figure out why I always wanted to get out of the office, uh, me and Mo Cheeks. Um, Mo probably wanted to go do something else, but we always wanted to get out of the office. I just enjoy being with my wife. I enjoy being with my family. And most of the times we didn't do anything. We'd just be at the house sitting around um, doing nothing. I'm going to miss that. Let's not lose sight of what's important. God is important. What Christ did on the cross is important. Let's not lose sight of that family that also lost someone that they love. I love you guys. I hope I get a chance to hug and shake a hand and give a kiss on the cheek. But let's keep what's important at the forefront. Thank you. Is that powerful? There's a Garden of Gethsemane moment right there. There's somebody choosing beyond fight or flight, choosing healing. There's a decision that you see there that goes back thousands of years. Like when people say oh, Christianity is like it's outdated, I think, no, it's not. It's somebody who's taken those lessons and is, is living them out into the world today message of healing and hope message of messages of, of, of really thinking beyond our normal polarities and, and trying to figure out that third way praying to God to give us the courage to do that to lean into that to live into that so much part of what Easter's all about so what we're going to do to close today's service is we're very fortunate. Allie Childs does a wonderful job heading our sermon writing team. And, and she had shared some things with us, you know, at sermon writing team. And they were just very poignant. I thought like, boy, I'd love to get you up on stage to do that. And, and she said yes, which was great. So she's going to share a few things. And then we're actually going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Now, I want to say with the Lord's Prayer, we're going to have it up on the screen. Every denomination has a different version of the Lord's Prayer. Trust me on that one. You know, so please don't tell me you have the right version after church. Um, everyone will have that up on the screen. We're going to say that together. And then we're going to have silent prayer with music after that. All right? So Allie's going to talk. Allie's then going to lead us all in the Lord's Prayer together. The words will be up on the screen. And then you have time to listen to music and, and say, just a, say a prayer for yourself, you know, or a prayer for someone you love, a prayer for healing. So it gives me my great pleasure to introduce Allie Chotz. Thank you, everyone. Um, this is such a beautiful story, and I had never heard it before, being raised in the church, and I found it so powerful at Easter. 
you have this ugly scene before Christ dies. And um, it struck me, you know, through my process and through my life, why are we all here? You know, um, and what I've had the pleasure of seeing is that this is a world we're walking through. This isn't anything to be figured out or conquered. We're not here to win the Nobel Peace Prize, although that's nice. We're not here to be the president of the United States, although that's not maybe so nice. Um, but what I heard in the story is we play all those parts. We're the guards sometimes. Sometimes we hate God. We are Peter. Sometimes we are fighting something we feel very passionate about, but we're lacking that trust that God has it, and we're taking the control back into our own hands. And that's huge. I'm, I got thrown when I was asked to speak. Probably my hardest week in the past nine months. Um, and of course, you know, I'm like, yeah, Chuck, I'll speak. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, I could give you probably 10 instances where it was really hard. And one was just ordinary Friday afternoon, friends over, kids playing. And I just was uncomfortable and I wanted it fixed. I wanted to call the right person. I wanted them to say the right thing. I wanted to feel like I was okay. And after being asked for this, I was like, okay, this is my chance to trust God that he'll bring that to me. I don't have to do anything. And that's where I see Jesus in that story teaching us to ask, to call on a higher power in those times where we're uncomfortable and let Jesus, let God work for us and do the messy cleanup that we're incapable of doing. I don't know how many of you have failed, but I fail every day. You know, a dozen times, maybe a hundred. But it's that practice that we're called, and that's why we're here, is to practice that trust, practice that we're not God, but yet we're vessels, and we're able to receive that love and bring it into every difficult situation. So the opposite of faith isn't doubt. Did you guys know that? It's control. So that was huge for me. Someone told me that, too, before I was supposed to speak. And um, the, I guess the last thing um, I just really wanted to share was that the story of the finishing the Friday afternoon. I So I trusted. I took the kids up to a friend's house. They dropped the bikes off, and we were off to Grub Burger. And lo and behold, there's just the right person standing there telling me exactly what I needed to do to get out of my uncomfortable mood, which was holding guilt for um, my husband's death. And it left, and it's been gone for over a week. And just really trusting that even in those hard moments, I'm not in control. I'm not in control of anyone else. My only responsibility, and I think that's what Jesus calls you to say, is to call on him in those situations and trust in him that he will deliver you out of those places and into the light. Thank you.
All right, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 